C'est déjà spécial, c'est ton anniversaire. Je t'aurais prévenu. Yadel, non Tu vas pas revenir avec ça Chaque année, tu fais pareil Et tout ça, c'est dans ta tête Qu'est-ce que tu sais de ma tête Arrête. Je suis né le jour où il est mort. Mais à trois ans d'écart, ça veut rien dire Mais tu m'écoutes jamais Pourquoi tu me fais venir Parce que t'as rien d'autre à faire. Mmh. Ah Allez, tire-toi. Va-t'en, je te dis. Non. Ah bah reste avec moi, viens. Allez, viens Adèle, s'il te plaît, arrête Allez, viens, reste avec moi Arrête Allez, viens Stop Yadel, arrête Arrête, non Non Emmerdé mon anniversaire. Maintenant c'est réglé, ils s'en souviennent même plus. Oh non, c'est pas vrai. Ils font vraiment plus gaffe. Hein. Bon, faut vraiment y aller là. Mais pas comme ça. Fais pareil, tire tes cheveux. Quoi Allez. Oh Quand tu vois un oiseau mort, tu dois tirer tes cheveux, tu dois te faire mal. T'arrêtes que quand tu vois un oiseau vivant dans le ciel. Non, c'est débile. Mais pas du tout. Ça veut dire que si une personne au moins sur Terre a eu mal pour toi, alors t'auras pas vécu pour rien. Par ta douleur, c'est comme si tu rendais la vie à ce qui est mort. Et qui t'a raconté ça Mais Personne, je le fais depuis que je suis tout petit. Moi, j'ai déjà eu mal pour toi. Faut vraiment que t'arrêtes de parler pendant qu'on cherche. La commune ferme à midi. Je sais. Là Là, regarde Il est plus petit, hein Ben oui, mais c'est vivant Ouais, je crois que c'est bon. Attends-moi ici. Quoi Attends Yadel Je chante pour me bercer de ce que je sais n'être qu'illusion. Je chante pour que le pain de ma mère soit chaud. Car du bon pain chaud est le moins qui puisse consoler son corps malade. Je chante pour que ce levain, au soir de sa vie, lui soit bénéfique. Je chante pour que la farine de ses os nourrisse les braves bêtes. 
qui aide l'homme à soutirer de la terre les fruits de sa subsistance. Je chante pour que le soleil de cet été soit plus clément qu'une gifle brûlante et meurtrière sur nos consciences. Je chante pour que mon pays s'endorme dans la quiétude et que les moutons, lorsqu'ils pèsent, ne craignent pas pour leur laine. Je chante pour que ma vie ne soit plus tissée de haine. Je chante la confession de mes mensonges dans les coulisses de ma pensée. Je chante ma nièce malade qui tousse au cœur de la nuit. Je chante ma sœur qui s'inquiète pour le sort de sa petite. Je chante leur silhouette penchée dans la prière le meilleur lendemain. Je chante leur absence de culpabilité. Je chante mon erreur de vouloir faire pousser les plantes trop vite. Je chante pour m'assoupir sur l'herbe qui pousse en silence. qui vont prodiguer la culture et l'humanisme à l'enfant que je n'ai pas encore conçu. Je chante des idées de génie qui coagulent dans mon cerveau par manque de sommeil. Je chante pour convier la paix dans l'âme des guerriers transis qui rentrent les champs de bataille de la vie. Je chante pour communiquer avec mon créateur. Je chante pour me faire entendre de mon père. Je chante pour que toutes ces cellules se tournent vers moi. Je chante pour que dans ses oreilles, au canot condamné résonnent les supplications caverneuses de mon âme claustrophobe. Je chante ses yeux, quartier, plongeons dans la pile de mon cri, écartelé. Je chante pour que sous le clair de lune, par une nuit douce comme je n'en rêve que dans mes poèmes de chevet, je puisse alléger la cruauté infligée à l'amour de ma vie par amour de l'absolu. Je chante des stéréos sentimentaux qui bipolarisent chaque battement de mon cœur épris, et par toi font exister un autre monde en moi. Je chante pour me battre, me débattre, me combattre. Je chante chaque fragment de chaque battement de mon cœur défendant. Je chante pour pouvoir vous aimer et par vous être aimé, comme on l'aime à refrain. Je chante parce que je crois que les gens, chantant, vivent mieux, vivent bien. Je chante pour que le timbre des cristals capture la lumière finissante des étoiles qui dépaillent. Je chante pour qu'un jour le cœur de nos voix ravive les astres morts. Je chante pour que le cœur de nos voix, notre peuple de constellations, la voûte de nos esprits. Je chante parce que j'aime les époux mieux celle d'une chanson quand tout le reste a cessé de chanter. Je chante. Je chante pour ceux qui vont mourir ce soir. Je chante pour ceux qui prennent ces mots comme Beaujolais. Je chante pour me reposer dans les bonnes grâces de ma terre natale, sur cette planète qui dérive au loin et que je n'ai pas pu revenir au bout de ma ficelle de cerf-volant. Je chante ces trois jours de deuil où j'ai inondé de larmes tous les souvenirs que j'avais de mon cousin pendu à une corde. Je chante d'un chant un peu audible comme il vécut intensément durant ces jours de commémoration. Je chante la nostalgie des soirs de tristesse alcoolisée que nous avons passés ensemble, pleurant tous les malheurs du monde. de silence et de brise tiède. Je chante cette soirée et les larmes que tu versais sur ton passé. Écoutant cette jeune femme murmurer de sa voix si douce, les premiers gris dans tes cheveux, l'envol des années, pleurer les faux pas, pleurer les joies, pleurer les amis disparus. Je chante pour pleurer cette jeune femme si douce, qui évoquait de sa voix si douce, les pires chagrins de nos vies courtes et pourtant trop remplies. Je chante cette nuit où nous nous sommes compris, cette nuit où les âmes indifférentes 
reposaient dans des cercueils tristes. Et où nous, au nom de je ne sais quelle déchirure, nous avons bu et nous nous sommes entendus. Au-delà des mots prononcés, au-delà des mots dits, je chante cette nuit dite des plus belles chansons, mon ami. Je chante pour faire battre la mesure à mon cœur. Je chante pour qu'enfin ce cœur soumis à tant d'épreuves suspende son vol, son supplice, sa frénésie et douleur. Je chante pour que demain d'autres fassent entendre leur voix. Je chante pour que mon chant parle de nous, lorsque nous ne serons plus là. Je chante pour que s'efface nos mémoires ennemies, que tu oublies que mon père, tu as ton père. Je chante pour faire danser les montagnes. Je chante pour que les orages prennent les nuages dans leurs bras. Et dérive ensemble au grévinceau légendaire, je chante pour que l'humanité se déverse sur les pistes de l'éternité et entame la plus grande et la plus belle, et la plus poignante et la plus urgente cabane avant que ne tombe à jamais la nuit noire du temps. La dernière nuit de tous les temps qui nous fut impartie, je chante l'humanité arrivée au soleil elle-même. La bombe atomique qui rêva d'être une tulipe, je chante la boule noire et puante du cachet universel. Je chante des souterrains saturés de rats de nos vies privées. Je chante les voix emprisonnées dans mes murs. Et les confessions de plâtre qu'elles nous délivrent lorsque la lune caresse leur carapace en papier peint. Je chante les failles de la terre nourricière que même un œil nu et ivre pourrait voir. Je chante le tournis tragique du globe. Je chante la nausée des océans qui ont vomi des millénaires d'évolution. Je chante les murs et les nues qui craquent, les cieux de fureur. Je chante les nuages au ventre distendu, l'orage blanc qui scintille comme le dernier fil qui me relie à la vie. Je chante pour que les sols se fissurent, qu'un gigantesque reptile, ni serpent, ni lézard, mais tellement, tellement reptile, émerge de ce pied de citadin placide qu'il passait contre les passants, tendait les bâtiments, bascule les voitures, fallait les enseignes, les grandes marques, les devantures étincelantes des magasins de prestige. Je chante que sur les avenues du monde civilisé, des millions, des millions de dalles se détachent de leurs bancs de béton et l'évitent comme des boules de pollen d'un traitement surréaliste et révolutionnaire qui pètera l'avènement de l'air du reptile. Je chante par des signaux de fumée dans la plaine, l'accouplement des conifères et des coyotes. Je chante la naissance des illusions, des racontards, des mythologies. Je chante la malédiction de Dieu. Revenu en otage à l'ombre d'un cactus. Je chante l'orchestre des capards qui improvise un jazz fusion entre les lames de mon cerveau suite à l'absorption d'une trop forte dose d'oxygène des grands jeunes urbaines. Je chante le viol consentant et voyeuriste du bitume. Je chante les fellations des SDF à le pot d'échappement auquel nous espérons échapper pour sauver nos peaux. Je chante pour fêter le premier vol d'entreprise un corbeau depuis la corniche de mes arcades sourcilières. Je chante des taches noires qui hantent les lisières clandestines de mon champ de vision. Je chante le roi lézard qui m'a enseigné les coupes de mes sens reptiliens. Je chante l'enfant du vaudou qui a capturé des galaxies dans un filet de six cordes métalliques et désaccordées. Je chante le dernier homme de Zimmer et ses fulgurances politiques nasales. Je chante tous ces fils de l'Occident occulte, tous ces fils de l'autre Occident. Je chante le vertige, la culpabilité, l'injustice faite à l'homère, cette fleur blanche comme un verre qui pousse hors de mon orbite fertile. Je chante les génies qu'on croyait morts, et tous ces morts qu'on a cru vivants. Je chante ce que je lis dans vos yeux, car les yeux sont les fenêtres de mon âme. Je chante ce que veut entendre l'enfant en moi qui refuse de grandir. Je chante la peur de vivre, je chante la peur de mourir. Je chante la bêtise, la honte, le regret. Je chante la rédemption, le pardon à jamais refusé. Je chante pour que nos âmes reposent en paix. Je chante pour toutes les choses oubliées. Et, et pour toutes celles qui ne s'oublieront pas. Je chante dans l'espoir d'amadouer le chaos. 
Je chante afin de convaincre la planète de ne pas nous exploser à la gueule. Je chante parce qu'un chant demeure préférable au hurlement. Je chante parce que trop de mes frères, trop de mes sœurs, trop de mes enfants, de mes nièces, si jeunes, partout dans le monde, hurlent déjà. Je chante de toute mon âme vendue, de toute ma foi retrouvée. Je chante de mes dernières forces, jusqu'à ce que mon chant, par asphyxie de désespoir, s'éteigne à son tour. Je chante et ma voix, je chante et ma voix, je chante et ma voix. Uh, shadows, uh, like any other thing, was an accident. Accidental. Uh, desire to express oneself. Uh, obsessive. Like we all are. We're all obsessive. I am. Uh, and we all, uh, I think we're going for a way of saying something that might be different than uh, the normal, conventional, boring way of saying something that most people like in an audience because they are uh, uh, they are dull in their own lives my god it's uh, true it's true nobody's going to go to the picture so what <laughs> let them not go the world is controlled, comprised of a, of a group of people that uh, uh, have opinions and and lack emotion and we make pictures of emotion and uh, yeah, if people go to see them, they will, they will become touched and emotional in ways that they have never experienced before. And uh, if they want to, they can go. If they don't want to, it's a free country. They don't have to go. you got to stay awake. To have a philosophy is to, to know how to love. you got to stay awake. And to know where to put it. Because you can't put it everywhere. You've got to be a priest saying, yes, my son, or yes, my daughter, bless you. But people don't live that way. They, they live uh, with anger and hostility and problems and uh, lack of money, uh, lack of, you know, tremendous disappointments in their life. Uh, so what they need is a philosophy. What I think what everybody needs is a, is a way to say, where and how can I love? Can I be in love so that I can live? so that I can live with some degree of peace. And so that's why I have a need to, uh, for the characters to really analyze love, discuss it, kill it, uh, destroy it, hurt each other, do all that stuff in, in, that, in that war, in that word polemic and picture polemic of, uh, of what life is. And the rest of the stuff really doesn't interest me, you know. It may interest other people, but I, you know, I have one-track mind. That's all I'm interested in is love. Well, you see, Ben, um, after I made that air-conditioned nightmare trip, I had seen a good deal of the country. I spent a good year traveling around, you know. And when I got to California, I found it was much more congenial to me than other parts of the country. Um, it just hit me right. And then, as well, I tell up you... up on your luck or down on your luck? Oh, it had nothing to do with that. It was entirely aside and apart from any material... I was really down in that whole uh, year and a half I spent in Beverly Glen outside of Hollywood. Why, I was living like a dog. I, was, I even had to send out that uh, appeal for help in which I promised to people that if they would send me whatever they could, money, um, clothing, food, anything, I would send them a watercolor. 
And I did, you know. I kept that up for over a year. I sent everyone who sent, whether it was a dollar that I got, I sent them as good a watercolor as I could make. Do you know? Do you remember that time? Sure, the plight of the creative artist. That was a wonderful period, Ben. Wonderful, because uh, I got a real response, do you see, from people. People I didn't know either, who What's didn't it? even know me as, as a writer. I hadn't even read my books. They had just read that there was an American writer who was in distress and would do this thing. And they came across. I remember reading uh, Plight of the Creative Artist, and you make a point there. You say, I'm not going to be uh, betrayed by some commercial enterprise or sit in an advertising agency scribbling stuff I don't feel, right? Yes, right. You want to be a creative artist, and therefore part of creativity is to be free. Is that That's right? That's right. So you say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take so many dollars a week to be betrayed. Yes. Well, how did you put it? Well, I said, uh, if you had a daughter, would you put her out on the street as a prostitute and then marry her later and say, well, what difference does it make? She's all right, you know, she uh, had to earn a living. We had to have the money, do you see? But it's all right, let's forget about it. Well, I feel it's much the same way when you start out to be an artist. Uh, if first you do all the wrong things because you need to live, um, you have no excuse, really. You have always the privilege to starve. Do you see? Uh, <laughs> that sounds funny, I suppose. Uh, but I mean, uh, you people say, well, if you don't do this or that, you'll die. Well, why can't you die, do you see? What's so terrible about it? Take a chance. Go near to the edge, do you see? As a matter of fact, you are not going to die. Who dies of starvation in this country or any country almost? Only in Asia do we hear that, you know. People do die there by the thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands at times. But not in America, do you see? Nobody will let you down that much, will let you really die in the gutter of hunger, huh? But there are other deaths, Henry. That's right. That's right. By the way, near starvation, I know from experience, is far worse than this real starvation which comes through famine, don't you know, and drought, where people really die like flies. But to be half-starved every day, which I was, I would say, from the time I began to write, let's say a good 15 years, Ben, I was half-starved. That meant I got a meal every day, somehow or other, don't you know? But never knew how, when, or why, do you know? Uh, You'd scrounge Always it. waiting for it to come, do you know? That's far worse, I think. Well, then that's a pretty tough way to live, and a man would fight against that and say, well, I guess I'll take this job in this uh, That's right. Uh, hack it, work. That's, that's right. It is the great temptation. Sure it is. Sure it is. I took the other route. Maybe you could say I was, uh, what, uh, more uh, cowardly in one sense or less moral. I preferred to go out and beg, and I did that too. I went out on the streets in Brooklyn, where, near where I lived, at night, and would uh, ask a guy for a dime. Give me a dime, do you see? Help me out, I'm, you know. I'm up against it. Yeah, yeah. What did you find about people when you did but, that? Uh, by the way, I found that that was just as hard work as taking a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just as bad, you know. You don't beat the game anyway, do you know. Mm. Listen. After all, after it's all said and done, after all the experiences, now if you could relive your life, you know, I would say, what the hell? 
I could go out, I could be a plumber, a carpenter, a bricklayer, a street cleaner, or anything. I could do that and write. But I say that now, after, do you see what I mean? I could not do it then. There were emotional reasons, there were psychological reasons, do you see? Perhaps the most important thing was that I had always dreamed and hoped that I could be one day a writer. And when I uttered that word, to be a writer, it had great import to me. It wasn't just a writer, it was writer, the writer, you know, the greatest writer. That really is it, you know, sort of a wild dream like that. And um, there was a pride connected with it, I suppose. Uh, I put up this fight for, um, I suppose, for a principle, you know, that I didn't voice particularly. You mean in this uh, uh, pamphlet that you wrote? No, no, well, I mean to myself early in life because born in Brooklyn, of parents who didn't have anything to do with artists and so on, never meeting any artists, fighting to meet any people with any culture, do you see? Why, um, to me, it was like saying, I'm going to be a, a saint or a martyr or a god or something. It was just as big and just as far away, as remote as that, do you see? I only dared dream about it for many years. I didn't even think I had the ability, but it was the one and only thing I wanted to do. And yet, to do it, I did a thousand other things first. Name a few. Name a few. Streetcar conductor, garbage collector, um, a librarian, uh, insurance and book salesman, do you see? What does the telegraph uh, office mean that the, runs through well, your novels? the telegraph office, by that time I was already married, and uh, had a child, and I had just been fired from uh, one of the first few promising positions that I was able to wangle in a uh, mail order house. I was made the sub-editor, or editor and assistant editor, rather, of this magazine of the Charles Williams stores. I've only got it a month. The man above me likes me immensely. He's a literary man. He believes in me, though I haven't written a line, but he knows I'm somebody. And I learned it all so quickly that there's nothing for me to do. So I have Nietzsche in front of me, whom I'm then uh, passionate about, and I'm copying out excerpts from the Antichrist. And suddenly the vice president walks through, looks over my shoulder, and I don't even know he's there, and he unrolls it from the machine, like right over my shoulder. He looks at it, the Antichrist, very interesting. You know, and what connection has this, Mr. Miller, with your work? And I look up and I say, none, none, whatever. I'm caught red-handed, sure. fired, you know. Then I was out. I had a wife, a child, and I had a house to support and all that. So then, in desperation, I go and ask for a messenger job in the Western Union. I, who am then about, what, in my 30s, don't you know? And, uh, no, I'm wrong. I'm about 28. I ask for a job as a messenger, and they turn me down. That so incenses me that I can't sleep. I get up the next morning and I decide to see President Carlton, the head of the Western Union. And I ask him, I get to his office, they refer me to the vice president's office. And I say, why, why can't I get the lowest job on earth, a messenger boy? Did you get in to see the president? Yes, the vice president. Right. I was referred to the vice president's office. 
and I get this job. They finally turn me over to the manager of the whole city who listens to me for an hour or more. And instead of being offered a job as messenger, he said, Mr. Miller, why don't you take over the personnel department? You be the manager of the messenger department, do you see? But first, he said, in order to give you experience, put on a uniform, work as a messenger, and I'll send you from office to office, you see, on a special. You'll get paid as the employment manager. Nobody will know it but us two, but you'll work as a messenger. So I went from office to, and I got the lay of the land, the feeling of it, don't you know? And then I knew too very well what that life was, do you see? To tell you the truth, I could hardly stand it. It was winter, snow and ice on the ground. I came home the first night as though my feet were made of, you know, broken bones and glass, do you see? I went to bed groaning, you know, from the... İnsanları aptallaştırmak için televizyonlar ve siyasiler ellerinden geldiğini yapıyorlar. Siz 30 yıl aynı meseleyi kaldığınız yerden bin defa tartışarak bu insanları hödükleştirdiniz, beyinsizleştirdiniz, omurgasızlaştırdınız, bu insanları tabağa yaptınız, cariye yaptınız, köle yaptınız. Bir makarnaya muhtaç yaptınız. Şimdi de bu insanlardan, bu böcek bari insanlardan aldığınız oylarla övünüyorsunuz. Bunlardan herkes oy alır. Bunlara şeker veren de oy alır, yarın dilim ekmek veren de oy alır, bunlara bir merhaba diyen de oy alır, bunlara herkes oy alır. Oy alacağın insanlar bir, bir kaç tane sanatçıdan, yazardan, ciddi siyasetçiden böyle. Sen bu Karadeniz sahilinde ne yapıyorsun? Tabiata ne yapıyorsun? Ormanıma ne yapıyorsun diyen isyançal insanlardan, ülkesine düşkün insanlardan oy alacaksın. Bunlardan oy alamazsınız. Haberdar insanlardan oy alamazsınız. Zeki insanlardan, bayrağına sahip, ülkesine sahip, Amerika'ya karşı diklenen insanlardan oy alamazsın. Böceklerden alırsınız. Bunlara atarsın kömürü, atarsın bilmem neyi, alırsın. Bunları da dille kandırmak kolaydır. Beyni yıkanmış insanlar yetiştiriyorsun sen. Çok acıklı bir yerden geliyoruz. İşte Karadeniz otoyolu tam 400 kilometre. Tarihin en güzel otoyolu. Coğrafyamızın en güzel parçası. 400 kilometre parçalandı. Ortadan kaldırdı, iptal edildi. Tek satır yazı yazmadı. Milliyet gazetesi, bilmem diş bilginler, işte bu adamlar. Bu molos çöplükleri. Coğrafyanı elinden aldılar. Neredeydi Trabzon? Giyosun, Ordu, mühendisim diyor, aydınım diyor. Hayır. Böcek sürüleriydi bunlar. Bunlar bakteri. Ve geldi ellerinden coğrafyayı aldı, seslerini çıkartamadılar. Evlerinden kalkıp valinin ne kadar yürüyemediler. İsyan olmayan bir insan, kavgası olmayan bir insandan insan olabilir mi? Demokrasi isyanların rejimidir, kavgaların rejimidir. Çıkacaksın, hakkını isteyeceksin. Hak dediğinde babanın, atanın, Allah'ın sana verdiği topraktır. Bu toprağa sahip çıkamıyorsun. Ormanına, ağacına sahip çıkamıyorsun. Annen 50 yaşında ölüyor, hesabını soramıyorsun. Baban, dedem böbrek yetmezliğinden 35'inde 40'ında gidiyor, soramıyorsun. Sonra bir tane bir adam geliyor sana, öyle oturuyor mahalleye bakamayayım diye. Çıktı çıktı, borsa çıktı çıktı diyor, aa güzel güzel diyorsun. E sen bu zekadaysan, buradan çıkacak, bu zekanın ürettiği siyaset de işte Maliye Bakanı'nın zekasıdır. Bunlar anlaşır. Türkiye'yi hepimiz buradan çıkartacağız. Bu insanlara... Demokrasinin nimetlerinden, özgürlüklerin nimetlerinden, tabiatımızın nimetlerinden bahsedeceğiz. Ülkemizin değerlerini anlatacağız. Bu ülkenin en büyük değeri bağımsızlıktır. Tek cümle ağızlarından çıkmıyor. Bağımsızlıktan büyük değerimiz yoktur. Tek cümle ağızlarından çıkmıyor. Çıkmayacak da. Söyleyeceğim bunlar. Velhasıl bunların pekmez dediği tortu, bayram dediği de yortudur. Asla da inancım yoktur. 
onur ve şeref kazınmış ve çıkartılmıştır bu sokaklardan. Utancım budur. Ve orada 500 tane milletvekili iki eve çıkıp biz çoğumuz hak bizi seçti. Lan seçerse seçsin işte kümes dolusu insan tavuk. Onur yok, şeref yok. DTP'ye karşı laf edemiyorsun. Ülkenin bu siyasi kaosu karşısında laf edemiyorsun. Buş'a karşı ya da Kuzeyer'e karşı ya da insanlığa karşı tek onurlu cümle edemiyorsun. Sen yüzde 47 değil, yüzde 98 olsan ne olur? Böyle cumhuriyet olacaksa hiç olmaz. Yıkılır, bir tanesi daha yapılır. Bu toprak kanla kuruldu. Şehit kanlarıyla. Yaşayacaksa da bu kanla yaşayacak. Bunu yapmıyorlar, bu kanda pislerlerini yıkıyorlar. Hepsi. İşte Cengiz Şandallar, öbürleri. Ne zaman şehitlerimizin kanı dökülürse çıkıyor ekranda diyorlar ki işte diyorlar bizim dediğimiz böyleydi. Bak Barzani'yi geçinseydik, Amerika'yla Irak'a girseydik bu iş olurdu. Ya da federasyon verseydik bu kanlar dökülmezdi. Hem şehit kanımızı döküyoruz hem de bu kanda o pis fikirlerin ellerini yıkıyorlar. Bunu siyasi hükümete yakın kaynaklar da yapıyor. Bunları maaşlayan bunlardır. Bunların yakın yazarlarına bakın. Köpekler gibi konuşuyorlar. Tayyip Erdoğan Bey'e söyleyeceğim budur. Bu köpeklerin ağzına havlayan ağızlarda bir lokma dersin ve sustursun. Ya da bu ülkenin başka türlü konuşma tarzları var. And what have I done to my son, Miss Ross? Nothing. I tried to improve on the limits in myself. Myself, not him. Can you understand? To improve on nature, my nature, knowledge of oneself. It's the only path to the truth that give men the power to go beyond God's boundaries. You know what's beyond your boundaries? Other people. All you've given Bruce is fear. Fear of life. Fear. Perhaps, Miss Rose. And loneliness, too. Yes. I feel them both. But I have completely once. I was so much in love. And she so much wanted a baby. My baby. I could tell from the moment she conceived that it wasn't a son I had given her, but something else. A monster, maybe. I should have put a stop to it right then, but I was curious, and that was my downfall. And as I watched this tiny life unfold, I began to imagine the horror of it, and my curiosity was replaced with compassion. But they took away my chance to cure him. Your father threw me out. I remember that day so well. Every moment, every sensation, walking into the house, the feeling of the handle of the knife in my hand. I knew I was doing a father's work, fulfilling a father's mercy. But then she surprised me. 
I live. She and the knife merged. You can't imagine the unbearable finality of it. And in that one moment, I took everything that was dear to me and transformed it into nothing more than a memory.
This song is not a rebel song. This song is Sunday, bloody Sunday.
the white flag. been waiting. Well, I hope I can make it up to you. Give us a minute to get tuned up. Turn it up, John.
up on the mic repeating two words over and over again. Was this a woman he had never noticed before? He lost himself in the articulated manner in which he said that. <laughs> These two words, little bit behind the beat, mean just enough to turn you on. Every time she said the word, words, another one of his doubts were gone. Should he try to rap to her? Should he stand and stare? She and so so. She said the words till he could take no more. He dragged her from the stage. Together they ran through the back door. In the alley over by the curb, he said, "Tell me." What's your name? She only said the words again. What? And it started to rain. Two words falling between the drops and the moans of his condition. Holding someone is truly believing. Say, there's. She said, love me, uh, two words, say it now. What you say, baby, said one more time. Hey, yeah, hello. 